Hello and welcome to Charity Chats. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Paul Crockett, Freemason fundraiser, to understand how Freemasons fundraise, what they fund, and how they build really good relationships with charities across the country. Without further ado, here is Paul Crockett. Hello, welcome to Charity Chat. I'm sat with Paul Crockett, Surrey Freemason. Welcome, Paul. Welcome. Hello. Nice to meet you. And uh, and what is, tell, tell our audience, what is it that you do? Who are you? What is it that you do? Well, as you said, Sam, my name is Paul Crockett, and I am a Freemason in the uh, province of Surrey, which comes under United Grand Lodge of England. And uh, within my role within uh, Freemasonry, I spent the last 24 years really focusing my Masonic career on the um, charity side of Freemasonry. It's one of the three pillars on which Freemasonry rests. Right. Um, and so slowly over time I've become more and more involved with that role and um, ended up being what, what's called the Provincial Grand Charity Steward who has a steering um, role within the province um, to ensure that the strategy for the charity within Surrey is met. Um, I've now been promoted to a position where I actually look after the whole charity portfolio for the Masonic province of Surrey, um, which gives me an opportunity to engage with lots of local charities that that receive support from lodges and members, um, as well as our um, objectives as a province. Um, so that's what I do for the Promise Society, and this is all voluntary, of course. So does that mean that you're essentially looking at the, the charities in the area of Surrey that uh, ask that need support, asking for support, and then you're liaising between them and the Freemasons of Surrey, is that right? It kind of works in two different ways, really. Um, lots of lodges will have charities that that are their favourite charities and some of those will be because members have had an association with them. It might be a hospice or, or a local support group that has helped a member and so that group of members within that lodge will, um, will then say well that's a charity that we're going to support locally. Sure. Um, they tend to support, lodges and individual masons tend to support very local causes, very small charities which is great because we can have more of an impact there. Okay. Um, the province might take a wider view and we may do an appeal um, either for our central Masonic charity, the MCF, or for a charity like Life Lights, which is another central, centrally based charity that was has an association with Freemasonry. Sure. But also um, larger charities within our within Surrey. Um, we've just done an appeal for the Children's Trust at Tadworth <laughs> to buy a specialised Pegasus bed. Um, now that is great for us because it gives us something that we can attach an identity to right. and it's a specific project so we understand that there's some impact there in terms of who's going to use that bed, how many children are going to use that bed, sure. how much money that saves the charity in terms of transport costs. Um, so we would do that more of a provincial level but certainly smaller charities are supported by lodges. Right, um, okay. But we will assist them, we will try and say to them, you know, if, you, if they're struggling to find a charity, and they sometimes do come to us and say what charities are popular at the moment within the province, what the, are the other lodges, lodges, the lodges will ask that. Yeah, okay. what are other lodges supporting, yeah. um, and we'll also help them with the process of identifying, if they, you know, if they come up with a charity that they like, they might ask us to have a look at that charity and say, a bit of due diligence, is this a worthy charity, are they spending the money correctly, sure, sure. are they doing the right sort of things, will it align with a provincial strategy? So, um, because really I think donating has changed, particularly within Freemasonry, it's changed now to to be more community engaged. Um, There's a massive push for community engagement now, and so we're looking for charities that will 
that will will acknowledge that they've received money from Freemasons, okay. um, which has been a problem in the past. Okay, nice. Um, and also that that we can get involved with perhaps at a voluntary level as well, not just in terms of donating money. Sure, because all, all Freemasons, you know, the Freemasons are at a large level and provincial level, including yourself. It's voluntary, isn't it? It's on top of your your day to day working. It's and it's completely voluntary, yeah, and. Um, you know, it's it, it's a testament to, to Freemasons really that they do so much charity work. Um, it's it's quite unknown how much money is given um, through uh, Freemasons to charity it, throughout United Grand Lodge of England, and this would include the Central Masonic Charity. It's estimated to be between forty-five and fifty million pounds a year. Blimey! Um, and that's money that's only raised through within the membership. Sure. Um, we don't go out and rattle tins. We don't put collection. Um, jars out. We don't do anything outside the, the actual fraternity itself. Okay. Um, we would include our friends and families within the Masonic family, sure, sure. Um, but certainly we don't get corporate sponsorship or anything outside the membership. Okay. Um, so it's a vast amount of money, um, but we utilise gift aid really well, and we do lots of things to try and boost our charitable donations. But it is all voluntary. You're absolutely right, Sam. And so a large part of your role is is kind of interfacing them between the charities and the Freemasons in your area and, and finding the desirable um, kind of outcomes in terms of they want to support specific charities and you're helping to identify if the charities are Yeah, are we're looking for some synergy. Yeah. Um, sometimes, as I say, lodges will come to us and say, we've, we've, we've found a local charity, we've given them some support, and they put a little article out, maybe on social media or in a local newspaper, and that's fantastic for us. Um, and then we'll go and hopefully visit that charity. We've, we've set up a program in Surrey, and this is not necessarily common to all um, provinces around the country that are under United Grand Lodge of England, but certainly in Surrey, we've set up a program of charity visits. And the purpose of them is so that members who have donated or supported a charity can actually go and visit that charity and see what the donation's done. Um, now we try and do this a few months after the donation has been made because what I don't want to see um, as the portfolio holder for charity in Surrey, what I don't want to see is lots of photos, what we would call the grip and grin photo, where you see a group of chaps holding a big check um, with another group of people because that doesn't really mean anything to anybody other than those people that are in the picture. So what I'd rather see is three or four months down the line is a child using a piece of equipment or something that's that the money's been used for being used by that charity and actually the story is all about that piece of equipment and that charity and, and the, the finishing line is this donation was made by Surrey Freemasons that's as much as we need to do because the impact is what we've done Absolutely. Um, from the flip side we would ask the charity to do an article that might talk a little bit more about Freemasonry and what Freemasonry does to support them Sure. so it's a, it has to have some synergy between the, 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 the lodges and the members and the charity should be giving their supporters, or in this case who are in this case Freemasons, they should be giving them the impact, they should be telling them the impact of their, their uh, donations and so that speaks to that doesn't it, that, that you're actually seeing the, the results of your work, not necessarily, it's not about the charities, it's about the beneficiaries. Absolutely and and charities, you know, at the moment, the charity sector, it's a, it's a big market. You know, there's a big market for charities, for, for, for charities looking for donations. They're competing um, with lots of grant makers and fundraisers. And so for them to be successful, in our, in our view, 
they have to tick a number of boxes for us and that is how what the impact of the donation will be how many people will it affect sure it has to be is there some synergy with our strategy so you know if, we're, if as a province we're particularly looking to align with charities that support children or the elderly um, does the local charity that applies for funding because some charities do come to us cold they'll write to us and say can you support us in an endeavor in appeal and then approach the province because the province is the overarching kind of organization of the county roughly, yes is it? yeah is that right? the provinces are t tend to be around provincial line uh, county lines okay uh, yeah provinces tend to be around county lines yeah. some counties are a little big so we have for instance in Kent you would have East and West Kent okay that's two separate provinces yeah but certainly in Surrey where where we sit within this the boundary of the county of Surrey and yeah so the provincial Grand Lodge would, would handle inquiries from charities that are approaching us and those inquiries would go to our Provincial Grand Charity Steward and then he... Which has, is you in this case. No, that was me. Oh, sorry, yeah, okay. No, I got promoted. Um, that was me. Uh, we, we have a, a, an excellent Provincial Grand Charity Steward now, a chap by the name of David Oliver. Um, really, really um, on it in terms of looking at charities and supporting charities and encouraging donations. Uh, but no, so he will sit down and, and he will ascertain what the application is for. And we'd put together a rag list, effectively, a red, amber, green list. And, you know, international appeals probably wouldn't fall within what we could support. Um, national appeals um, may come in to us if, we may approve them if there's a strong, um, a strong element of that in the province. Um, and then charities that are solely based within the province would be green listed. Um, and then we would look at what they're going to do with the money. Um, and we have to, because we don't have endless funds, sure. and we need to make sure that we can apply the right funds at the right place in the right amount. So, um, and then that goes to our board of trustees who will then approve them. So you've got the on the lodge level, so you've got um, smaller groups of Freemasons in, within Surrey who are making some decisions around the charities they're supporting. Yeah. You say kind of, in a lot of, of cases they're small, very, uh, Kind of community-based yeah. organisations, and you've got a province giving potentially larger donations or supporting larger organisations in some cases. The province wouldn't necessarily make the donations themselves because, as a province, we don't have a huge fund to give away. Sure. But what we will do is we will set up an appeal and encourage lodges to, um, in, in, in kind of a tiered approach. So we might say to them, you know, you've got two or three tiers in, in fundraising within Freemasonry, and certainly the strategy that we're following in Surrey. Um, will be at a lodge level and an individual level to pick those very small charities where £150 or £200 makes a big difference. Sure. But we will then provide a vehicle as a province to groups and in areas within Surrey mm -hmm. and the, the, you know, the province is a big province and so there are areas where we might get a group of lodges that might be based around a Masonic centre within the province sure. and say so, look we've found this charity that needs some larger support, can you work together to provide that support? Right. And then we might pick a top tier um, project which could be a provincial wide charity, so it could be something like the Scouts or something like that sure. that sure. affects the whole of the province. Mm -hmm. Um, and we can say, as a, as a province, we're, we've got a big appeal going, can you raise funds for this appeal as well? well? So you kind of had three tiers of charity fundraising. It sounds like a lot of your role is <clears throat> galvanising the Freemasons in your area to fundraise. And I know, that, as you say, that's one of the, the main um, parts of Freemasonry. Yeah. Um, 
But are there challenges to doing that too? I mean, I know you know from a uh, from a fundraiser point of view, I work for charities, and I know that that's sometimes difficult to um, ask people on the one hand, and sometimes it's difficult to encourage people to uh, to take on events and do different things. You, do you have the same challenges in Freemasonry? It, you you do, you do, and you're always going to get that um, a group of people that will be resistant to it. Um, but generally, in Freemasonry, as, as I said previously, it is one of the three principles on which Freemasonry stands. Um, so charity is a major part of becoming a Freemason, and that's explained to every member before they join. Sure. So there's an ex they already have an expectation that they're going to be asked to support charity. And the problem is that sometimes we engage in quite a long appeal. So we have our um, central Masonic charity, the uh, Masonic Charitable Foundation, um, and every province once every few years will go into an appeal for that charity. Um, and that can be around five years. Well. Wow. Yeah. And so you get what's called um, festival fatigue. Where and this, this is the appeal, is it? The yeah, festival? the okay. festival, yes. Yeah. The charity appeal is called a festival. Um, and we can sometimes experience festival fatigue where members feel that they're being constantly asked to support sure. one appeal for a long time. Sure, sure. Uh, it's important that we support our festivals because the, the Masonic Charitable Foundation, 60% of what's raised goes back into supporting elderly Freemasons or Freemasons when they're in dire yeah. need or distress. Sure. Uh, and that's like right from cradle to grave support. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we can, we're comfortable doing that, and we're comfortable saying that our fundraising um, through the central charity, a, a chunk of that goes to Freemasons, because of course we're only raising it through Freemasons, mm. we're not asking the public to support a charity that only right. supports us. Right. But a third of what we do in that through the MCF goes to non-Masonic charities, to community-based charities. So you get that festival fatigue. Um, and so that's why um, the strategy that we're pursuing in Surrey now is also based around community engagement and volunteering. So that we can say, look, you don't always have to dig deep into your pockets. There are very small charities that actually need somebody to go in and do a day's admin work for them a month. Which could be worth a lot to that small charity. Yeah. You know, there's a large, huge amount of money that sits in the HMRC in unclaimed gift aid. Yeah. Massive amounts, hundreds of millions of pounds every year is yeah. not claimed. And a lot of it's through very small charities because they don't understand the process or have somebody that can do that claim sure. for them. They don't have the resource. No. Absolutely. If you've got somebody that's a good bookkeeper or just good with numbers or accounts generally that can go in once a month and just say, let me deal with that gift aid for you, that's worth a lot of money to that charity, but it costs the, pe the person nothing, just a bit of time. Yeah. So I think people underestimate the value of volunteering um, because it can be hugely effective for very small charities. So we're trying to get members to engage with that as well. Um, but really, it's, th there's, there's not too many challenges. We have a, um, an ageing membership and people on fixed incomes find it more difficult sometimes to support. Sure. And we're very conscious of that, and we're very careful about vulnerable donors. Um, we're very careful not to over-ask people. If, if somebody says, no, they can't, yeah. then you have to accept that. Sure. And perhaps suggest other ways in which they could support um, with knowledge or time. Um, so I think generally we're very lucky with our membership. Most, yeah. m most if not all Freemasons, are willing to contribute. Um, whether that's donation at a, at a dinner or through a raffle yeah. or whatever it is, you'll find just about 100% Freemasons will support um, a charity of some nature. How do you go about helping 
encouraging Freemasons to fundraise. Are you, are you providing the types of things that charities would provide to their supporters usually? So fundraising packs, ideas, materials? Well, it, um, it's interesting you ask that question, Sam, because myself and our Provincial Grand Charity Steward are currently working on a strategy for charity within Surrey. And part of that is actually building a fundraising toolkit. Because what we found is that lots of chaps have really great ideas on how to fundraise, whether it's throwing yourself off the top of a building on a zip wire or jumping out of an aeroplane or walking over hot coals or whatever it might be. And they want to put on these great events. And then they come to us and say, got a great idea. And then here you go, can you run it? Right, okay. And actually our answer is no, we're yeah. not going to run that for you, but we'll give you the tools to Absolutely. do it. And it's really, the toolkit will be about how to market that event who to contact, what charity you might want to support, how to identify that charity. Sure, sure. Will the charity help you with marketing it and Absolutely. get them on board? Um, because they'll have fundraisers as well within the charity that can help with that. But it's also about managing expectations and what the outcomes should be and how you promote the outcomes and just get people engaged. Sure. So we're going to put together a, a pack, this fundraising toolkit. Um, we do have a charity stewards guide as well that we send out to every new charity steward within the lodge. But it's open to any member to look at. Um, and really, it's we do provide those sort of tools um, because we need to we need to keep up with the changing pace of fundraising. Sure. Um, and there's some very clever fundraisers out there now that that grab people's attention and will do whatever they can to engage with people. And we need to do that if we need to keep our members engaged. Yeah. So we are going to be doing that. And I say and I say I'm really looking forward to the toolkit when it comes out. It should be a really good document. We've talked about on the show before, uh, we've talked about examples of extremely, and I think they've been one-offs largely, but extremely um, uh, powerful and, uh, and, and great fundraising ideas. So there's the, uh, the Ice Bucket Challenge, No Makeup Selfie. Both of those are examples of appeals or, or fundraising initiatives that were set up by a volunteer. Yeah. And then the charity got support. So from the sounds of it, that's the same kind of notion that you're, you're talking it about is. with this. Empowering, it is. Empowering your fundraisers to, to come up with ideas. I think you're right. I think there's some really simple ideas. For us, one of the, um, one of the ideas that's been quite successful for us is coming up with a prize draw for a, a prize that money can't buy. Okay. So it's an experience or something that you simply can't go out and buy. And we had a few members on my committee that said, oh, well, we what about a flight over the Dover in a Spitfire? And you say, yeah, but people can buy that. Right. It's yeah, not yeah. a money-can't-buy-prize. Sure, sure. um, and um, for those not familiar with the structure of Freemasonry, every province will have a provincial grand master. Right. And we came up with this idea of provincial grand master chef. Oh, well, okay. And we sold uh, prize draw tickets where the provincial grand master will go and cook a six-course dinner for six people in their home. Yeah. Um, and you have to understand for Freemasons, having the provincial grand master come to your house and cook you dinner is a pretty big it's deal. It's a great deal at kudos there, isn't Absolutely it? Absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. And, um, Can I just ask, was the provincial grand master a good cook? In, in, in our case, luckily he is, but, good, I'm, yes. but I'm also a good cook, so I was the sous okay, chef, okay. Oh, and we also had um, the Provincial Grand Chancellor came along, and he, he did all the washing up, Yeah. And, um, and it was really good, because we actually put on a really good meal for six people, and the prize draw tickets were £5 each, and we raised £16,000, um, because it caught the imagination of our members, because sure. all of a sudden they were thinking, this is going to be really cool to have the, the Provincial Grand Master in my kitchen, yeah. cooking me and my friend's dinner, <laughs> um, and interestingly, that idea's been picked up by eight other provinces around the country really? yeah oh, and they were well running with it so we were yeah. really pleased with the outcome of that sure um, so a money can't buy draw money can't buy prize draw is really good because it does offer everybody a chance a, a relatively um, small outlay a five pound ticket yeah um, it offers everyone a chance to take part because we were asked if we would do it as an auction 
Right. Um, and we may well have raised more money on an auction, but it kind of restricts it to the people that can afford it. Of course it, it does, yeah. Whereas if everyone has a chance to win, it's much fairer. And, and of course it creates a buzz. It does, and I suppose this is an example of a, also the added thing with this event is that it gives um, it's kind of those people that want to volunteer. So you know, you're, you're volunteering on many different levels of the sales report. Yeah. You know, you also you have a, a passion for, for cooking or your sous chef, or you could be a sous chef, and you you volunteered your time as part of the event to help raise money without necessarily. You know, yeah. Maybe, I mean, you, did, maybe you did pay five thousand as well. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, Sam. The, the copious amounts of wine that we were offered also helped oh, on the yeah. night. So yeah, <laughs> but it sounds like it's a good it's a good model. Things like this are a good model of kind of drawing as many people in as possible. Yeah. And then there's kind of engagement value as well as just fundraising. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think you have to have fun with fundraising. I know it's a really, really awful cliche, but it is that old, you know, who, how do you put the fun into fundraising? Sure. Um, but it has to be fun, otherwise people wouldn't want to do it. And so, you know, when we've done things like zip wires in Wales and um, tandem skydives, all of those things, whilst being terrifying, yeah. we also had a big group of people that came with us. And so we put on a social... Uh, event around it, so it became a fun event as well as a sponsored event. Sure, um, and that's that has to be has to be the way to go. It has to be fun, otherwise there's really no point doing it. Um, I did a fire walk with my colleague uh, last year and um, for a local charity, and we just had to do it in fancy dress. Just we were the only two that did, yeah. but just because it just made it a little bit different and just more fun for us really. And the photos are great, <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> um, but that it just kind of inspires other people. Um, to look at it and, yeah. and say that actually looks like really good fun, we need to replicate that. And of course for Freemasonry as well, we, we're always um, conscious of our membership numbers. Mm. And so if we can demonstrate that you can, you can jump out of an aeroplane or you can do these really crazy things, as a Freemason, it yeah. might make younger people think, younger men and women, because they can join Women's Freemasonry sure, of course, sure. um, but it might make people think, I'd like to be part of that actually, there's a strong charitable essence to what they're doing and I'd like to be a part of that. Yeah. So again, it's part of our community engagement project, we'll, we'll go into charities and say that this is what we'd like to do and that gives us a bit of exposure as well. Sounds, you're, you're very enthusiastic about your role from the sounds of it anyway, but what is it that keeps you enthusiastic and, and g'd up about your role? I think really it is the, the, the programme of charity visits that we now run. Um, when you actually go and visit these charities that are receiving grants and funds from us, um, and you see the smiles on faces and the welcome that you get from the people that work at the charities themselves, yeah. it, it's amazing. We went to a charity recently called Life Lights who have got some amazing equipment um, called Eye Gaze. Yeah. And we wandered into the office, really warm welcome, you get given a cup of tea, and then you get asked if you'd like to have a go at this piece of equipment. And you sit there and you use it, and it's fantastic. And you just see instantly how that is going to improve a child's life. Because this equipment goes into children's hospices, and you know sometimes these children have locked-in syndrome and haven't been able to communicate for years. And all of a sudden, just by looking at a computer screen, they can start communicating with their parents. It's incredible. And you think, wow, that's 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 why we need to raise funds for a charity like Lifelights. Um, I was really lucky that um, my colleague and I went to a charity called Fab um, yeah. at Epsom and Yule, and it's it's um, P H A B, and essentially it's a youth club that has no barriers. Any child can go, whatever um, issues they may have. That child is welcome at, the, at that youth club, and they meet on a Friday night, and we went along and we played football. 
and there was a, a boy there that was in a wheelchair that could only walk for a few minutes at a time but it didn't matter he was part of a team and every few minutes they came and they got him out of his wheelchair and he kicked the ball for a few minutes and then he went and sat down again yeah. and it was just incredible and we met some amazing kids who were just brilliant because they were able-bodied but they didn't see the physical drawbacks that other children might have or, or the issues that other children might have they just saw them as kids and what was really fascinating for me was the number of volunteers that were there that had been members of FAB as children oh, really? and now as grown-ups volunteer and, and help as voluntary helpers wow. and it's a really great example of a charity that is totally engaged with its local community yeah. and we support them a lot now my own my own lodge in Surrey is one of my chosen charities um, and we support them as much as we can because they're a really great little group and they need funding. And you get to know them, you get to know the, the, the people they're helping and I suppose that adds an element of, uh, of, of motivation and, and enthusiasm. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and, actually, and so back to your question is what keeps me enthusiastic. It's about going to those charities and seeing the impact of what fundraising can do sure. um, but also it's the letters that you get you know we we get letters all the time from charities saying thank you very much for your donation it's made a real difference um, and I know that that's probably part of the course and that charities will always do that it's it does make a difference when you've raised those funds and um, just to get that thank you is so important and that you know and we do get them charities are great at doing that they're absolutely brilliant at doing that so um, and we send that message out all the time and that keeps us enthusiastic it keeps me enthusiastic Plus lots of coffee. <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> that does it for me as well. And is it a sense of camaraderie? I mean, in, you know, kind of on a personal level for you being a Freemason, obviously it sounds like you know, it's, it's a huge part of your life. I mean, your free time is taken up, I'd imagine, quite a bit yeah. by Freemasonry. So keeping you involved in that, is, it, is there a large element of the camaraderie of working yeah. together for, for all these good causes? I'm, I'm very lucky. I have um, put... Uh, put some really great people around me in terms of my charity committee people who really are committed to caring about other cha other people and, and charitable causes and we have a lot of fun with that and, and it really is a sense and there are you know we, we, we're coming to the end of, I mentioned earlier about our festival system and we're coming to the end of a five-year appeal in, in Surrey and um, you know, there have been some dark days while you're doing that appeal in terms of are we going to hit the target, are we yeah. doing the right things, but the team work together and pull together and we come up with some great ideas and I think it's the most fun team that we have in Surrey to be fair, but then I would say that because it's my team, um, but they're really great, but we also get involvement from our families and friends as well, um, you know, they're, they're very supportive and they need to be, yeah. otherwise we would struggle to do it without the support that we get from our families. I was on the um, Friends Association at one of um, the Masonic homes in Surrey. We have two Masonic nursing homes in Surrey and one at Croydon and I was on their Friends Association committee and when I left the committee for various reasons I, I moved on to do other things, sure. um, my daughter joined and she said I'm going to join she said because there should be somebody with the name Crockett on that committee <laughs> and she became a, um, a youth engagement advisor for them and, and really? to try and encourage younger people to go and visit the home and get involved with supporting them wow so um, you, you feed back your, your learnings from this work that you're doing to your family yeah. to your, your network yeah. my wife um, volunteered and trained to be a Samaritan Really? Um, and she did that for a number of years and, and I mean she gave up in the end because she did take a very distressing call um, and it really it yeah, just it, yeah. it affected her quite yeah, badly and yeah. so she just had to stop and I think that is 
a common problem with the Samaritans. It's, it's hard. I know that first time I was a, a volunteer Samaritan for a few years, and that was that was a challenge. And the um, yeah. I think the, the the process, the camaraderie with that. I mean, I suppose it's something in my mind at the moment from what you're saying, and also other things um, volunteering that I do on this podcast. You know, this sense of working with other people, and I know that the Samaritans, other listeners. You know that you'd be on shift with. You know you'd help share the burden of those calls. And that yeah. was a really good offloading service. I think that's right. And um, so call out to Samaritans. There. Claire did um, get a lot of support from um, from the other Samaritans yeah, that she worked yeah, with, but yeah. she did find it a struggle in the end. Sure, sure. Um, but even and I, and I have a son as well, and he um, he's a tattoo artist, in fact, and he did some artwork and was approached by a company that produced T-shirts with tattoo art. Yeah. And they sell them for charity to support. Um, uh, youngsters who are, commit- are, are contemplating suicide. Right. Um, so it's a suicide awareness charity for yeah, teenagers, yeah. and they they contacted him and said, "Would you provide some of your artwork?" Mm. And he did four pieces for them, and, and they sold a shed load of t-shirts with his artwork on it. So it kind of is it's kind of been engendered through the family, really. They all kind of pick up on what I do, and um, and they and, and that's fantastic for me. I, I think it's brilliant, and um, and you know, it's it's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to do. There's a lot of. Um, good feeling generated by being charitable mm. I, th- I think people underestimate the power of giving yeah. um, it's not just about the money you give or the time you give it's how, how it actually makes you feel as well how it lifts your day and your mood and your, your state of mind yeah. um, and I think we underestimate that things you've talked about Paul there seem to be the, the types of things that you're of dealing with, for want of a better term, within your role as a, a Freemason fundraiser in Surrey, um, it's, part, it's part of the universal truths around fundraising, from my own experience and, and the things I've seen, that you know, it's about making sure that the, you're, you're seeing the results of the, the funds that you're raising, you're um, working with others in a kind of a sense of working together rather than pushing people into things, encouraging them and inspiring them. For, for the charities listening to this, are there things that they can be doing to either make relationships with Freemasons better and stronger if they have existing relationships, or encouraging support from Freemasons building relationships with Freemasons? Yeah, I think they can. I think they just uh, need to engage with us. And we're, we, Freemasonry generally, has been guilty of pulling the shutters down. Um, and being very much a closed um, organisation to the outside world. In the last few years, there's been big strides to turn that around and to become much more open. And one of the ways in which we're trying to do that is to engage with community groups and local charities. And I think if charities came along and spoke to us, they would understand that the values that we have, it's, it's an odd one because our values really are around friendship, openness, um, honesty and charity. And these are values that everybody has. You don't need to be a Freemason to have those values. It just happens to be values that we promote uh, within ourselves. And so I think if charities understood that that we're not unusual people or underhand or you know trying to take over the world, um, then and, and actually approach us and said, what can you do to help us, and what can we do to help you help us? Um, then we would engage with them and we would listen to them and, and identify a need and say, yeah, we can we can get on board with that. We're not going to be able to say yes to everyone because we only have 200,000 members around the country. Um, in Surrey, it's only 5,800, but around the country, it's 200,000 members. So 
you can't, it's not an endless well of money. Sure. But certainly what we want to do is engage with charities and community groups that will align a little bit with us in terms of what our ambitions are and that will offer us some form of feedback and some impact so that we can put some identity to it. Um, you see it a lot with things like air ambulances. A lot of air ambulances now are, get huge support from Freemasonry. Um, blood bikes get huge support from Freemasonry. And you'll see a square and compass sign on the side of air ambulances okay. to demonstrate the amount of... the Freemason support, is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's great recognition for us. Um, and, and we don't do it for recognition, but equally, we don't want to be hidden. We don't want our contribution hidden. Sure, sure. And it seems fair enough to me. I mean, because, as I say, you're volunteers and, uh, and, and giving recognition is something that charities, I think, should do anyway in terms of recognising the, their supporters and encouraging them with future charitable activities. I think that goes with it. Absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right on that. But, you know, as I say, it's not getting the recognition is not a vital part for us okay. because nobody should actually give for that recognition. No, exactly. But it's, sure. in many ways, you know, people put a hobby on to demonstrate that they've supported a charity. Absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. And so we would ask, suggest that a, a square and compasses might be used just to show that we have supported that charity um, and, we're, and that we're happy to, that we want to do that. Um, so it's really important for us to do that. How can, uh, so any charities listening to this, maybe they don't have any kind of relationship with uh, Freemasons in their area. What, what can they do to maybe start the ball rolling and potentially develop the relationship? I think there's two approaches that they can take. Firstly, wherever they're based, whatever county they're based in, if they look on if they look on the internet and look up the provincial Grand Lodge of, okay. whether it's Kent, Surrey, Sussex, Hampshire, sure. Yorkshire, whatever it is, they will get a contact for their provincial Grand Lodge, okay. and they can write to that provincial Grand Lodge, and I would make any application via the Provincial Grand Charity Steward. You don't have to have a name, just that title will get to the right person. But if you're a, and if you're, a, that would go for small charities in the province. If you're a larger charity, a national charity, then I would recommend making an application to the Masonic Charitable Foundation. Okay. It's a really easy online application process for two different sizes, a smaller grant or a larger grant. And they have a team of professionals that will look at every application uh, on its merits and, and we'll contact you. Brilliant. And, and for listeners, that we did a previous show on that, so you can go back and look at the, uh, the episode if you want even more information or visit the MCF website. Paul Crockett, thank you for contributing to Charity Chats. It's absolutely been a pleasure, Sam. Really enjoyed it. So there you go, dear listener. A fascinating insight into the world of Freemason fundraising, thanks to Paul Crockett. Having worked with Paul myself and other Freemasons over the years, what Paul said about the charitable nature of Freemasonry really resonates with me and my experience. Paul is, like all Freemasons, a volunteer, and it's clear to me that he's especially passionate about supporting good causes. Sitting down with him, that enthusiasm is really infectious, and uh, it was really good to see him and, and talk things through. It's also interesting that charitable giving within Freemason seems to have such a commonality with the fundraising philosophy and activities that I've seen in charities big and small. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Paul. I certainly did, and I hope, like me, you found his insights serve as good learnings and reminders for the fundraising you do for the causes you love and support. We hope to speak to Paul again at some point. Big thank you, Paul, and thanks to you, dear listener, for listening. Without you... There would be no reason for us to even exist. 
So thank you, and thank you also to our corporate sponsors, Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit, Magda Axmit for beautiful website design, check it out, charitychat.org.uk, RR Yard Photography for the lovely pro bono photos on our website, and Forest of Fools, who are playing right now, and been playing throughout the show. Thanks ever so much, speak to you soon. Cheerio, bye.